Yeah, you, yep, there you go. But at least I got a chance to see what you look like. Right, I'm a real person. Yeah, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I figured I'm not that. A bot. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think you were. No, uh, but it, it is interesting in the world that we live in today that I have gotten so many requests to confirm that I am a real person. Because it seems so unbelievable. And then when people realize I'm real and they start reading my website and checking things out, um, then they get a little excited. Good, Um, good. Yeah. And uh, I'm stopping. Yeah, I've been, I I was messing around with the uh, the automatic background, but where I'm at in the house, the, the, the background doesn't, that's why if you saw me up there for just a second, it was kind of a kind of a mess it's kind of like i don't know if you've ever used a a screen that originates from the computer before but it's not no okay all right well have not it's like a green screen so you really gotta uh be careful with what the background is yeah just fyi that is excellent piece of information that i will stick in my pocket all right great so you are in florida correct i am We have two homes. Um, We have a house in central Ohio, which we have been desperately trying to sell for a couple of years and just have not been successful. Um, And it actually has the coolest story. I'm going to find a way to use it in the campaign. Um, But my husband's job, uh, we moved seven times in seven years. Uh, We have been in Florida for a little over a year now. Which is amazing because we met in Florida and our two youngest kids were born here in Jacksonville. So this kind of feeling that our country has taken, yeah, um, you know, kind of as unbiased third party observers and how different things are regionally, especially Ohio. Ohio was very educational. Where are you? Michigan. Michigan is lovely, but yeah. you're probably dealing with a lot of the same problems that we saw in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's. Uh, regions are amazing. So even though we're one country, there's obviously issues in different parts, and you've seen them, and that's and that's really cool, and that gives you a great perspective, like you said. Yep. Yep. Uh, and this is there's so there's still I still believe that there's good in our country, and I, and I think that it just needs to be ignited. You know, I still believe there's more right with our country than there is wrong. And I refuse to believe that there's anything so wrong with this country that it can't be corrected with a little common sense and compassion. Common sense. Yep. Yeah. It's a strange one, but it's not dead. It still exists. And when you start poking people, they start putting the dots together. I'm really good at connecting the dots, right? Joe Biden said that if you're good at connecting the dots, we need you. And I am here for you. Let me help you understand the way this puzzle works and how we tweak the system to get it to work more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's cool. You you know what? You're you're jumping off uh, the audio like like your story and uh, like you jumped off the uh, the LinkedIn when you when you reached out to me. That's you, thank you. Yeah, you sound like um, you sound like you got it together, kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it has been a it has been an evolution. It has been. Um, terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time and you know the normal rules don't apply anymore and and normally you know normally because I, I do have a really unique personality and normally I have to contain myself and not like let my freak flag fly too much because I don't want to make I don't want to scare people right yeah but, but Donald Trump's so out there I have to like like really embrace my full personality and let it loose, right? And so most of us spend most of our time, you know, controlling our worser impulses and behaving ourselves and acting appropriate in public. But to, you know, to beat this, this Goliath, right? This is the greatest Goliath in David's story in history. And in order to beat this beast, I'm going to have to get creative. I have to let all my personality out. I'm looking forward to it. You know, the smart stuff's easy. It's the fun stuff that engages people and grabs their attention and keeps their attention for two years, right? Yeah, because it's not just breaking through the noise. This isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. That is so <laughs> awesome. You know what? Uh, it, you're you're inspiring me just just sitting here talking to you and we and we've never met before so oh, thank you yeah thank that's, you. that's great so uh just so you know uh where we're at as far as the interview is concerned i've done us both a favor and you know with podcasts you do previews you set up the show and, and whatnot so and, and i got all of the uh, affiliate marketing and all of you know the the intro out of the way and I already have that recorded so you don't right. have to sit here and listen to me for five minutes talking about the Drawscast podcast and how many viewers and listeners and downloads and well I like hearing all that marketing. stuff that's exciting yeah that's yeah everything on Twitter and Facebook because I got pages there so that I can share and people can find me. And I'm also going to be uploading the link to BBS radio where my radio channel is because it's yeah. supposed to be a hub where I can keep all my interviews and it's not like official official, but they just told me Thursday and I didn't even know it was in the works, but they're getting me on iHeartRadio. Wow. I know. I'm like, like I didn't even know they were working on it, and then they were they, they were so excited about the deal, and then I just couldn't help but be excited about it either because this is they they it's just it's gonna catch fire, and the country is thirsty for this, and the people that I talk to everywhere are like, yes, finally, you know, and because the the you know the Democrats are kind of in the same spot the Republicans were in in 2016, and I I saw it so clearly when I wrote my book, but to watch it play out the way it did, it, it was, it was unnerving. It was, um, it was scary on a very different level. Like I, when I think about the scariest movie I've ever seen, I think of the movie Elysium, right? Where they build the floating island above, um, 
earth and our atmosphere and the rich people go live up there and they leave us poor people down here to kill ourselves. That, well, that could happen. So that seems like a scary thing to me. That's my idea of scary. Yeah. 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 And so to watch Trump come out and do all these horrible things in so such a drastic difference from my book, it was like watching my dream turn into a nightmare. And for me, this is about taking my dream back. Awesome. I, I, yeah. And, and you're doing it. Yeah. And that's so because we're on a, a free Zoom, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's only good for 40 minutes or so we or maybe limited. Right. So why don't why don't we uh, just start in with the questions? I'm going to do I'm going to do a brief, uh, just a brief, because, you know, you sound like you can introduce yourself. <laughs> just go all day. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so I'm just going to do a brief interview, and then we're going to start off uh, with with your book, if that's a good place for you to start. Sure, absolutely. Okay, great. Okay. All right, very good. So here we go. All right, so as I mentioned in the preview, I have connected with this woman, Sharman Smith. We've had a chance to talk now for a little while, and she is inspiring uh, for sure. She has uh, an amazing energy that pops off the pages and the screen, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the Drawscast Nation to listen to her. She is a Democrat, a mom of tired of the way that government is treating its people, and wants to do something about it. She's also written a book, and the title of the book is Taming, and I. And since we haven't talked before now, I want to make sure I say it right. Is it Tita, Tida? How am I saying it, Sharman? Tida. Tida, okay. Tida. So Taming the Tida. Yeah. All right, so welcome to the Draws Cast, Sharman Smith. How are you? Good, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on today. My pleasure, and uh, congratulations on your success with, uh, and for those of you who don't know, Sharman has a uh, an ever-expanding radio show along with all these other amazing things that she's doing, and the reason why we brought her on is because she is running for president uh, in 2020, and, uh, and it kind of all at least begins to well, with me or kind of starts with this book, Taming the Tita. So uh, let's start off there. So tell me about the book, what it's about, and and then we'll just take it from there. So go ahead, Sharman. Perfect. So it's Taming the Tita. Tita is a Hawaiian word for an aggressive female personality that will fight you. Here on the mainland, we refer to it as um, RBF, right? And <laughs> It, it, yes. Over in Hawaii, they talk a lot about the stink eye. And, you know, I have a look about me. It is definitely for sure. Most people would rather walk away from me than anger me or deal with my mouth. It is one of the things that is a, really, it's a joy about me. It's a benefit to you as I negotiate on your behalf. That's for sure. But the titta I heard so often in Hawaii, and I didn't know what it was, and it took me a while to learn about it. And when I finally learned, I realized there's a little titta in every woman I have ever met for as long as I have been alive. And Shakespeare proved that he could tame a shrew, but I'd like to think I'd prove that you don't tame a titta, a titta will tame you. 
And so the book is a fictional story about politics, religion, and a reality TV show giving Republicans a candidate capable of beating Hillary Clinton in 2016. I self-published six months before Trump announced his campaign, and a lot of what I wrote played out in real life, just not the way that I wrote it. It is a much better read post-election than it was pre-election. But for me to watch, because I wrote a, a beautiful story about uniting the nation and the world behind the common cause of eradicating pedophilia. And to watch the things that I wrote play out in the opposite way that I wrote them, not in the beautiful healing way I wrote them. It was like watching my dream turn into a nightmare. And so for me, this is about taking my dream back. I have literally, the book provides an antidote to every disease Trump has given us in the last three and a half years. And as I, as I, again, as I watched it play out, it was terrifying. But now that I am more comfortable with it and I understand it and the way the book was written and the way it flows through history. It takes up 45 years and if time is fluid, that's certainly represented in this book. Um, the, the reality of what keeps me going every day is not what I wrote that I got right. It's what the, I wrote that hasn't happened yet that keeps me moving forward because it, really, we it's like being given a gift. It's like being, it's like knowing that the worst, most catastrophic events in human history are about to unfold and we have an opportunity to clean our mess up before it happens. One of the, the biggest topics of my book is the death penalty for pedophiles. I believe it is the one issue that brings together at least two thirds of the voting population and it, it gives us one thing that we can all agree on and not all of us but most of us you'll you'll be surprised you'll have to deal with people who defend pedophilia it is a painful reality check yes but it is the one issue that most of us can come together on and agree on and it opens the door for us to get through everything else there really is just a different way of looking at it and flipping the script and processing it in a way that brings us together rather than divides us and conquers us. They need us fighting each other. If two-thirds of us came together on one issue, they could never divide us, and we would beat them. And we would break this cycle of abuse that has encompassed our society for almost a 1,000 years, probably closer to 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. It is... This, we, we don't study our history, so we don't understand how it repeats itself. And because we don't learn the lessons when they happen, we, we just continue um, perpetuating the cycle. And we have an opportunity to, to really focus right now and stop a lot of the abuse and heal our people because there, there is things that are coming and we need to be prepared for them. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, that the 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 topic. Uh, it sounds like you were looking for one thing that you think everybody could uh, rally around. So that's probably one of the main things that's inspired you to do. So plus you're a Tita, right? You're fierce. Right, Tita. 
Yep, I'm a Tita. Absolutely, I'm a Tita for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that right here before we're done, Tita. Um, so, have you been in positions of leadership before this, uh, where you've kind of built a foundation, so you you understand what your style is? Because as as you know, and as we've talked about the the Drascast podcast is is a lot about uh, leadership and motivation, so. Leadership comes in different forms. Leadership has many different variables to it. Uh, what's your What's your leadership style? So I come from a service of I come with a history of financial services for my background, and I have been in the had the opportunity to lead multiple teams before. And I believe that there's two types of leaders. There's the type of leader that you're afraid not to follow, and there's the type of leader you crave. To follow and I would prefer you crave me than fear me to be a hundred percent honest with you as a young leader I had to learn early to lean on the strength of my people I did not possibly know everything I could mm-hmm. not know everything leading people comes with its own sets of responsibilities and its own sets of challenges and rewards and you have to take care of your people. If you take care of your people, your people will take care of you. And one of the things that I see lacking in our government structure, and one of the things that has often frustrated me, is that I don't see the I don't think our country is being run the way it should be. I think a lot of people agree with that. But I come from the perspective that our country is the greatest union that was ever created. It just needs to be run like a union where we're protecting the people who are working within it. And instead, at this point in time, we're protecting the businesses instead of the people who are actually running the businesses. For decades, I have heard people say that they wanted a businessman to be elected president because they wanted America run like a business. But what people are waking up to right now is the reality that they don't want America run like a business for one man or one family. They want America run like a business for Americans, where we're the shareholders and we're the people who benefit from all the hard work. And the reality that people are waking up to is that business owners don't run their businesses. They hire people like me to run their businesses for them and write their policies and procedures and manage their staff and make sure they're making money. They don't do that. They hire people like me to do that. And with a finance background, a as a bill collector, a mortgage underwriter, I understand complex financial transactions from a different perspective than any of the politicians I have seen to date. And I mean literally as a mortgage professional when Hillary Clinton blamed the 2007 and 8 financial collapse on derivatives my first thought was well she's mad with Wall Street of course she blamed it on derivatives but when Elizabeth Warren blamed that financial collapse on derivatives I almost had a fit I expected her to understand complex financial transactions better than that. The 2007 and 8 collapse had nothing to do with derivatives. It was mortgage-backed securities. And what I want you all to know is that when derivatives go, it's going to make mortgage-backed securities look like child's play. And Goldman Sachs has 
already written a law that guarantees them a bailout and no criminal prosecution, we should all be concerned. Derivatives are an underground economy the likes of which, quite frankly, I'm not sure anybody fully understands. And one of the things that pushes me forward on this is the reality that if you want something done right, sometimes you just got to do it yourself. You can't count on somebody else to protect you and the people you care about the way you would do it. And as they have talked about this tax plan being a cash out on the American people as a mortgage debt collector who understands the full process and exactly what it means to cash out and dump and run. And, and I know exactly what is going to happen to the American people next year as they start to wake up to the reality of what a cash out actually means to them. I want them to know I'm their bill collector and I know exactly how to get their assets back for them and protect them. The American people have been taken advantage of for too long and we need somebody on our side, on the inside, who understands how it works. And not only do I want the budget, I promise you, you want me to have the budget too. So does that mean uh, a budget that can be balanced? Absolutely. The more I learn about modern monetary theory, the more I realize that my logic for how I intend to go after the budget is right on the money. The concept that we would need good debt and bad debt, that there's a healthy proportion makes perfect sense to me as a mortgage underwriter who looks at people's debt to income ratio as an exam as a background and a, a foundation for how to make sure they can be financially successful. And it's just an example on how these these dots get connected. When we look at our, our federal budget, we understand that our largest our largest bucket where all of our money goes is the military industrial complex. As a mortgage underwriter, I would assume that the largest expense that my household would have would be their home. But I capped that at 29%. I don't want it to go over 29%. Every percentage over that increases the odds that they're going to default. So the idea that the military is getting 50% of our budget is completely unreasonable. I am a military brat. I am a military spouse. I understand our military. I understand the budget. I understand the numbers and the concept that they could just lose $21 trillion and not have to account for it. <laughs> no, not on my watch. Yeah. Agreed. No. So, yeah. So, um, and, and I, and I hope that everybody's listening out there and, and I do have quite a few, uh, folks who listen internationally, but, uh, briefly for those who aren't aware, America has, uh, three branches of government. We have the Senate, we've got the Congress, we've got the president. And part of what you do as president is you have to navigate through those houses, though, the, 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 uh, the, the Congress and the, and the Senate, um, that's that's not an easy thing to do. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of pushback. There's there's a lot of moving uh, moving pieces to that. And the dynamics will continue to evolve and change over the next two years as people are voted out and new people are voted back in. Right. The power the 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 center of power is about to drastically change in this country, but it is not a smooth process. One of the great things about democracy is it moves slowly. 
But one of the bad things about democracy is that it moves slowly. It, 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 some of the people who are making the decisions now and who are pulling the strings have been working their position for decades to get here, and they're incredibly powerful. We have to address term limits. We have to do something to get people who are so deeply entrenched out. We have people in office who have been there longer than I've been alive. And uh, it is for somebody who enjoys politics to watch them work is a thing of beauty. It is intriguing. It is fascinating to watch genius at work. But it is terrifying because you know it is evil genius. And it is not there for the good of the citizens. It is there for the good of somebody. But I think it's most of us. Most of us are actually suffering from the decisions that they're making. And the only way to change this power dynamic is to run for office and to vote in good people. And I'm sure some of these people got into politics with the best of intentions. And who knows how many different ways they had to sell their soul just to be able to feel like they can make some sort of positive change in the world. But as our world has continued to change and evolve very quickly, especially in the last few years, and everybody wakes up around us and becomes aware of these, these puppet masters and how they're actually manipulating and playing the system, the only way to change it and to break it is to take them out. And as, as people wake up and they register to vote and they go to the polls and they, they, they learn about their, their, the process, participating in the process, it, we're, 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 we're in a change, we're in an evolution right now, and it is going to continue like a snowball effect and an avalanche, but it is, it is going to take time it's a marathon and and the changes that i'm seeing right now people are so motivated it is wonderful but there are more people who still need to get involved i i consider them the hot voters right the last election 48 percent of eligible voters didn't didn't even come to the polls they, right. they don't they don't like hillary they don't like obama they don't like trump they don't like any of them they're hot yeah. voters right and when we when we get the hot voters engaged anything is possible yeah, you can't complain if you don't vote, right? I hear right. that all the time, I, and I agree. You get you get what everybody else decides when you when you don't get out there and vote. And not everybody else has your best interests at heart. I I I wrote this book with the honest belief that Republicans were good, honest, hardworking, decent, caring people who were just poorly represented by their elected official, and they just needed the right voice to unite them. And then Trump showed up and I realized I was wrong and I was naive and I had had way, I had given people far more credit than they deserved. And the problem was much bigger than I had realized. And the concept that people would rather be Russian than Democrat to my red dawn generation brain is causing like a major malfunction. And I, I can't, I, I can't believe it. But so the thing is, is that we were raised during this cold war red dawn generation days, not the new one with the Helmsworth buddy, 
boy, but the old one with Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. We were afraid the Russians were going to storm our beaches and bomb our cities. But that's not what they're doing. They're having their children born here and yeah. doing chain migration. And they're running for office when they hate our country. And they're putting people in positions of power to write laws that benefit other countries. And I'm a Mayflower descendant. And I never had an issue with immigrants. I like all the immigrants, even the dirty, nasty ones who bring crime and disease. And that's probably because I'm a Mayflower descendant. We brought crime and disease. I don't think we, I don't think we conquered a continent. We sure did plow a path right through the middle of it. But it's my understanding that the indigenous people of this continent traveled freely across it for thousands of years until my ancestors showed up and started raping and killing everybody and taxing everybody else who was left to live here. And I, I could certainly apologize for that. And I could scream into the wind until the end of time to apologize for that. Or I could step up and I can do something about it before people like Donald Trump just roll in here and make it any worse. I don't think we have a problem with the brown immigrants who come to this country. We seem to have a problem with white people thinking they can just roll in here and take over and change anything, to everything just to suit their needs. And we, we need to have a conversation with some of those people. And if they think Russia is so great, I have a wonderful offer for them after I become president. And I think it will help solve all of our, I think it will, I think it will help solve all of our problems really. Please do tell, unless you you're want, saving it. No, no, I, I, I don't mind sharing at all. I didn't feel like you no. were afraid to share. Uh, there no. was the pause, but, no. uh, but please, go ahead. Please. So anybody who would rather be Russian than be American uh, or than be Democrat, I will make them the offer to cash them out, to help them liquidate all their homes, their personal property, whatever they want to take with refund them back everything that they have paid into Social Security, not Medicare, but everything that they have paid into Social Security and provide them visas so that they can travel to Russia and, and provide them their money within 60 days of being elected. If they do not want to be here, they're welcome to go. If they think Russia is so fantastic and they don't want to be here with all the changes that are taking place and all the brown people that are populating around here and all the white people and brown people mixing together, having babies, they want to go somewhere where everyone's right, where everyone's white, and they're, it's, a, it's the, the religious beliefs that they believe and they support all that stuff. They, we'll send them, we'll give them some money, we'll let them go, and we'll wish them best wishes. Be the best money we ever spent. <laughs> well, uh, as you can see on my picture here, as we're doing the uh, recording, I've got a, a book in front of me there, and, mm -hmm. and my book is, a lot of it has to do with leadership, it has to do with culture, company culture, but it also has to do with uh, diversity as well. And I think that, um, you know, especially in, in the workplace, and that's where my perspective is from in my book is, you know, we, you know, changes are here, right? I mean, the, the country is changing all the time uh, from a religious, from a, uh, from a cultural and from a color standpoint. And, we just all got to find a way to get along. And that's, and that's really my message there because 
the, the more differences that we bring into the workplace, the more diverse the workplace, the more successful the workplace is. And, uh, and that shows itself in research and whatnot. So uh, I like to talk about the transition from tolerance to embracing. So as a kid, I come from a really bad home, right? The worst of the worst. And I just remember feeling tolerated all the time. And I remember the first time I met people who embraced me for my quirky personality and my funny outlook on things. And I remember the feeling of being different from being tolerated to being embraced. And the thing about being tolerated is your patience runs out. And you get to the point where you can't tolerate this no more. And But when you embrace somebody, you embrace someone's differences, you embrace what makes them, what makes them unique and, and their diversity, and you, you embrace them and you get to know them, it is, it, there's a magic that happens there where you develop a camaraderie and you begin to make friends. And there, there's a different mindset between tolerance and embracing. And when we move towards that embracing, I think we're, I think we're there. I think we're almost there. I think people are starting to realize that it just, it just doesn't work just to tolerate people anymore. And it, 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 there's, they're actually really cool if you just like give them a chance and have a conversation with them and just talk to them. If we could eat together, if we could drink together, if we could have some fun, maybe tell some jokes, you yeah. know, food, totally. food helps a lot. I like food. You like right. food? There is something magic about uh, a meal, right? Yes. It's, it's something we all uh, we all have to do, and when we sit down, it kind of uh, ignites uh, just that camaraderie in, mm -hmm. in us. And there's a there's a, uh, a physical and a psychological uh, reality uh, to that when people sit down uh, for a meal and and how it affects us. Um, you probably know that as well, yeah. but. Yeah. Um, Yes. So I, what you, what you just said, I experience often. And uh, I have a, a son who is autistic moderately and, and it's quite noticeable. And my wife and I talk about it from time to time, how you can tell, just like you said, there are people who tolerate uh, mm -hmm. my son and there are people who embrace him and, mm -hmm. and just accept him. And a lot of it has to do with the cues that they get from us and we embrace them and love them and, and, and just have the best time with them. Mm -hmm. And when people get those cues, they, they tend to be that way as well. But there are clearly people out there that, you know, maybe they're uncomfortable for whatever reason. They don't, they don't want to engage uh, my son and, and it's their loss as far as it I'm is. concerned. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because the, the, I, I even talked about it in my book, the autistic children are helping us with our evolution. You know, years ago when a kid acted up in public, you just think, shut that kid up. You know, what do I got to do to shut that kid up? But, right. But now when a kid acts up in public, at least people slow down and they look around and they check. And they, you can see him. Oh, he's autistic. Oh, okay. Well, we'll be a little bit more patient. We'll be a little bit more tolerant. We'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll give the kid a chance, you know, because yep. Lord knows 20 years ago they'd have just thrown no. us in a hot car and left us because they didn't want <laughs> to Totally. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I mean, so, so, the, so the autistic kids, like I, I love them because they're helping us. Like the, the, the changes that are taking place 
all over the world, all over the country, all the little things they're helping us. We're we're moving the needle and it, it really is we're moving it faster than we have. We're making more progress than we have. So the the evil and the ugly that Donald Trump has exposed for all of us to bear witness to has been here for a long time. It's just on display. We've been fighting this ugliness for a long time. We just thought we'd gotten farther in the battle than we had, but it, it is a war and you, it swings back and forth. And you know, sometimes evil wins. Good doesn't always win. And there's been a lot of times in history where evil has won. Mm-hmm. And we, we're starting to talk about medieval feudalism now. Um, people are starting to reference it, but it is the same economy that we have been living in for the last thousand years, especially for us Americans. Our, all of our economy knowledge, our taxes, it all comes from medieval feudalism. We just picked up, we just, you know, brought the same habits we had over here and brought them to a new country. So it, we should be talking about that, and we should be talking about the torture that's taking place. We should be talking about the abuse of power. We should be talking about the problem with the police. You know, we, we talk about Camelot like it was a beautiful fantasy, like Robin Hood wasn't real, like King Arthur actually became king, right? We, we have this vision of what Camelot was, but it's a pretty picture that Hollywood tells because it sells movies. In reality, Arthur was 11 and the jerk who was killing everybody and letting the sheriffs wreak havoc all over the place and tax everybody. He's the jerk that killed Arthur. He's the one that got in charge if Arthur would have become king, the world that we live in would be different, right? But Oh, yeah, no doubt. It, but we, so we live in this fantasy world where Camelot was real, but it wasn't. We have an opportunity now to make it real. This trickle-down economics, this, has been, this is medieval feudalism. This has been around for a thousand years. We have an opportunity to break it from inside the system. It, there's, a, there's a genetic connection to the presidency that no one wants to talk about, and it goes right back to this period in time with Arthur and Robin Hood and King Richard. And, and it, it really is, it is amazing that people are finally talking about it and connecting the dots because it's so important to breaking the cycle of abuse. Yep, goes. I mean, that's where George Washington came from and whatnot. So, well, yep. actually, so George Washington um, is a descendant of John Rogers, and it's so important to understand that because Washington gave us um, the separation of church and state, and that's because of who his grandfather was. John Rogers was is considered the editor of the Bible. He is the person who oversaw the translation from Greek to English for King James. And he set it up in the flow that we read it in now from Genesis to Revelation. He's the editor of the Bible. But when when King James died um, and Mary came in, Bloody Mary, John Rogers was the first person that she burned alive when she decided to switch England from Protestant to Catholic. Mm. And... George Washington, as a descendant from John Rogers, knew that. 
they knew those stories. That's why we have this separation of church and state. They knew the consequences of the people being in charge of your religious choices. And it is, it, it was definitely one of the more fascinating dots to connect while understanding my family tree. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So a couple things, uh, because time is a reality. Uh, I want to get uh, a little bit of feedback on you on, on two things. Uh, question for you. So you, obviously you want to be an outsider who, uh, who is going to shake things up. So envision yourself on inauguration day. Okay. Madam president, what's the first thing that you're going to do to shake things up after you, you have your party and you get to dance and, and shake hands and, and, and do all that. Your first day on the job, what are you going to do? What happens January 21st, 2021? Yeah. So um, it's kind of funny because one of the things that's unique about me is that I will not be giving you a first lady. I will be giving you a first dude. And as president, we've (laughs) been watching all of our presidents for, for forever. They just let the first lady stroll in and take however much time she wants and she can come up with some sort of thing that she wants to champion. Right. right? That's not how it works in my house. This is a military household. I do not salute. I do not give orders. I'm a spouse. My husband can take as much time to decide whichever campaigns he wants to support, but on January 21st, 2021, if Puerto Rico is still a mess, I'm tasking him. He is a disaster recovery specialist, a retired Navy helicopter pilot, and I will be fixing Puerto Rico January 21st, 2021. I will be putting his, his disaster recovery military mind to work for our country. There's a difference in our relationship, the way it works. And we are a team and there is a lot of benefits to bringing a retired Navy officer to the position of first dude and the things that he will champion and help with and make a difference in our world and the way men are perceived in our country. That's the first thing that you can expect to receive from me. Awesome. Okay. And then, and then one other thing, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it at the top, but I'm but I'm mentioning it uh, mentioning it now. You do have a uh, radio show, and yeah, I did mention it. An ever expanding, successful radio show. Tell us about it. Give us a little background on what your radio show is about. How people that are listening to this podcast can uh, can listen in. Sure. It's um, every Thursday at one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ten. 10- a.m. Pacific time. It's on BBS radio. You can find it online. The name of my show is Taming the Tida, T-I-D-A. And it's a talk show where I I bring people on to interview, but I talk about myself and my opinion and politics and whatever is going on that week. There's always plenty to talk about for an hour. I've also, you know, I have a webpage, charmansmith.com. You can find me on Twitter and on Facebook, but the the radio show is is really exciting because it gives me such a wide and vast opportunity to interact with people. There's actually um, 
a way for people to call in and talk to me directly, and that's something that I'm looking forward to um, really uh, embracing and seeing the way that develops, because I, I like the idea of talking to people directly about what their issues are and their concerns are, and it, it, it's just such an, a wonderful thing to be able to talk to people and give them ideas and suggestions and for everyone to know that someone who really does care and really does understand is out here fighting to make it a better place for all of us. Yeah. And it's a great platform uh, for you with, with your aspirations uh, to talk about that. And uh, if people are moved and I have uh, checked out your website, if people are moved to, to uh, help fund you and give you donations and whatnot, uh, you can do that right on your website, correct? That is correct. That is correct. I'm not actively asking for donations until after the midterms are over. I want people to fund their candidates until November. Like I said before, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I absolutely can accept donations through Act Blue or through my website. I'm working on merchandise because I know people like that, but it's clearly not my skill set. Um, but yes, I... I am a 99 percenter right now. Everything's coming out of my own pocket, but they're predicting that it will take over a billion dollars to fund a campaign for presidency in 2020. And I can assure you, I do not have anywhere near close to that kind of money. I have bought some mega million tickets and I am feeling really confident about next week. If I were to win both the mega millions and the Powerball in the same weekend, I would probably, after taxes came out, have almost enough to fund this campaign. It's ridiculous how isn't, much. Isn't it? I mean, that just. insane. Yeah. But that just tells you how important it is and how important it is that we put in someone with some values and some morals and some dignity who understands what it's like to pinch a penny into a copper wire just so you can eat. And if there is anything that I have done successfully in my life, it has been manage my money. And I am grateful to understand the way the big numbers work and to have a concept on how to make it better for everybody because it's not sustainable what we're doing right now. The, the politicians talk about putting things on credit cards, and that's a real simple way for everyone to understand that they don't know how to explain it to you. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it. And as they're trying to pull out all these, these similarities to try to get people to connect, what, what comes across to me is they don't understand it, and I don't want them messing it up anymore. I want the budget. I want to fix it. I want to fix health care. I understand how payroll works. I understand how we can trick all the systems to make everything work. We make enough money in this country to pay for everything. Some people have figured out how to trick the system so they can take, they can take a cash out against us. We have to stop that. Excellent parting words. Uh, you have been a great guest. Very, uh, very insightful. Your energy again comes through. Uh, it has been a pleasure, and uh, that is going to do it for this 
episode of the Drawscast podcast. Sharman Smith, thank you uh, so much. And one more time, how can they reach you? I know, uh, just mention your website again. SharmanSmith.com. I'm on Twitter at SmithSharman and on Facebook at Sharman Smith for President 2020. You can get a copy of my book, Taming the Titta, on Amazon or Kindle. It's for free on Kindle Unlimited right now. Great. Free is good. Yep. <laughs> my favorite four-letter F word. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thanks. And uh, for those of you out there listening, this is you succeeding. So take care and bye for now.